Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Hey friends, this is just an acknowledgement. There is a weird clicking that happens in this show, and I don't know why. Um, I took out every occurrence of it that I could, but you may hear a little bit of a dropout, like at every one or two minute intervals, like for half a second. Uh, it's annoying. I will figure it out before uh, I post another show. Thanks, Pipewire. And now, on with the flawed but real show. Hello and welcome to Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to this show. This show is being recorded for March 10th, 2023. Let the future historical record show <laughs> when it went from worse to <laughs> awful. First to business. The show is not kid safe, not work safe. Creative Commons license, non-commercial attribution 4.0 unported. The music is by the late great band, The Gentle Readers. Bandwidth is via Cashfly, under the kind auspices of Backbeat Media. I do not speak for my day job. I'm doing my own thing right here. You can Google it if you want to know, but I am not on brand. They uh, are not my problem, and I am not their problem at this moment. <laughs> I will be their problem again on Monday, and they will be my problem on Monday, but not now. Okay, let's get it started off with a song. Um... Uh, this is a new person kind of across my circle since uh, I talked about the LJ Makerspace. This is somebody kind of associated with the Makerspace, associated with the record label that they're putting out. They do all this kind of crazy stuff. They've got a cassette-only record label, <laughs> and they're putting out releases. So, uh, And I watched some of this on new LJ TV. So they, you know, there's this, like, burst of just stuff from these uh, kids out in uh, North Georgia. And uh, I love it. So this is Dr. Death Ray with the live version of the song Fight Like Hell.
All right, that was Fight Like Hell from Dr. Death Ray from the live album, which is called Live, period. <laughs> and this is up on Bandcamp. Links will be up in the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org. A lot of times when I go without doing a show for some period of time, there's a story, you know, it is quite frequently that, you know, there's like in the previous week, there just wasn't a time, right? Or there wasn't an, uh, an hour to two hour block of time to sit down and do it. And sometimes there's just not energy. And sometimes life just fucking sucks it out of you. And I will admit that, uh, like nowadays, like as I watch the news, like more or less literally every day, the news in America gets worse. Here's a state that has banned something and they've banned books. They've weird full court press. And it really seems like it started basically, uh, like with the sitting of this Congress. Like it's been two months. Since a lot of this stuff happened. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, I'm, I am not going to lie. I am scared fucking shitless about what's going to happen. I mean, literally, Florida is descending into a fascist state in like week by week. It is amazing and uh, frightening to the point where um, there was some talk about going back to Universal Studios for a thing. I don't want to go to, I don't want to set foot in the fucking state of Florida. I don't know what's going to happen there. And uh, just it's, it's just awful. It's happening so fast. And I, and then it's like, oh, boy, let's turn on the mic and talk about raspberry pies. It's like, fuck me. What am I, I going to say that matters? You know, what am I going to do that matters? And that's the other thing about it is it feels like, I mean, this stuff is coming up so fast and it feels like it needs to be fought. What do I do? What do I sit down and do today to fight it? What I don't know what to do. I mean, I guess somewhere somebody needs to organize fast, but it, it's not me. And I don't, I mean, I don't know. And I think that's where most people are. I think a lot of people are scared and they look at it and say, this is clearly bad, but I don't know what to do about it. And I don't know what to stop about it. I, I don't know how to make it stop. And I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. And then you kind of generally look and it's like, oddly enough, my state, you know, which loves a good repressive law, it loves to put people down, is not, I mean, I'm sure they're going to get there, but they're not um, at the forefront of this. Like places you wouldn't expect, like Montana and Indiana. And and so then you look and you say, well, where can I, like, let's say you want to go somewhere. Where do you go? I mean, even other nations, like uh, it seems like Norway was having shit like this. I was like, fuck me. Where do you go? So you have to stand and fight. But what do you do? Where do you go? What do you, how do you do it? It's like, this is, and this is the point in life where I thought I would, it's it's the point of life where I should be able to coast. This is my coasting time. And it looks like just exactly what I thought from being a young Gen Xer as a teenager 40 years ago. I thought, just when my time comes, everything will fucking start on fire. They'll withdraw Social Security. They'll do all this stuff to make my golden years. People that had comfortable golden years will then do everything they can to make my golden years a fucking hellscape, dumpster fire, shit show. And right on fucking schedule, here it comes. (laughs) Welcome to the shit show. Fuck me. So, anyway. That's why I haven't done the show. <laughs> because what am I going to say? 
And then there's just, there's another, and, and this doesn't just show up in the show. Um, I have hit this thing where I just don't want to talk to people. Now, you know, um, you know, in my job role, um, my job role, uh, largely what I have done for, you know, most of the last 10 years, um, is outward focused, either, you know, developer advocacy or, you know, services or something where I have to go and talk to customers. And part of my job is to be, I say use different terms, but I like radically available to them, right? Or, or unreasonably available to them. It's like, it's my job to make you successful. So, uh, you know, don't, don't shy off on that. And sometimes, uh, sometimes that costs me. But I'm kind of at the point where I feel like the effort it takes to talk to people is uh, higher than it usually is for me. And this shows up in, in lots of ways. Like, I don't join meetings too early. Like, if the meeting is, if it's a two o'clock meeting, uh, I probably have the thing open at 158, but I don't hit the button until like 159, 59, because I don't feel like chit-chatting pretty much with anybody. We have this like water cooler thing at work that's just to, you know, when everyone's remote, it's just a thing to kind of feel in touch. And I have joined that in the past, and I haven't joined it, I think, in calendar 2023, because I just don't feel like chit-chatting about much of anything. I just don't feel chit-chatty. We went to, we had a surprise um, thing to do uh, last night where we went to Riga Tony's. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes. It's a thing in Myrtle Beach. It's goofy. It is a combination of like one of those murder mystery things and like Tony and Tina's wedding. And I don't know if all these murder mystery night things are like this. You know, it's a little bit like an escape room and it's a little bit like Tony and Tina's wedding. And, you know, they serve you dinner and then you're doing stuff and you're finding clues. And, you know, it was stupid and fun but also um you know we were at a five-seater table and there are three of us and then there was a couple a two-person couple sat down later and um the the two wives were sitting together and i like the two husbands are on the far side so we're like as far from each other as we can be which is probably for the best because i didn't want to chit chat with them i you know there was a lot of chit chatting i didn't feel like chit chatting with the stranger i didn't even want to talk to them which Quite often in the past, like when I go to, you know, when I play roulette, one of the things I like about roulette is you're, you, you got these people sitting next to you. It's a relatively slow, relatively quiet game and you can chit chat. And I used to always love to chit chat with the people around me, get their story, where they're from. Oh, hey, I've been there or I used to live there or whatever, you know. <sighs> now I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to talk to strangers. I don't want to talk to people I know. I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, which makes, uh, podcasting uh, a challenge when you do that sort of thing. So, um, and those are some of the, there's, but there's another layer of this. And there's a reason why we were available to go to this Saturday night thing. Cause typically we'd be um, picking up an old man from dialysis. And I don't, I mean, I probably shouldn't be putting a lot of his uh, internal health stuff on blast. Let's just put it this way. He was supposed to go to dialysis. My wife goes over there. And the whole, and he basically has a fit and refuses to go. So this is a guy who at one point we thought he was going to die because we couldn't get him on dialysis. Like we had this stuff with the kidney doctor and the main doctor and the dialysis clinic. And we had this three-way negotiation and somebody always didn't have the right paperwork for somebody else. And, and we thought this guy's going to die while we're waiting for all this to happen. Then he got on dialysis and he, you know, his quality of life improved. But now he's like, this is the second time he's just refused to, to go to dialysis. And um, 
His, the main thing was because he said there wasn't enough time based on a clock that's set an hour ahead. And so my wife is trying to convince him that clock is wrong. It doesn't matter what your little wind up grandfather clock that you didn't, ch- you've never changed since daily savings time uh, ended. It doesn't matter what that says because it's wrong. This is what time it is. We have an hour what, to, before it's time to, you know, we have an hour to get there or 45, 50 minutes to get there. He's like, it's already too late. God damn it. Like you're, the clock's wrong. Just go. I don't give a good dog damn what the clock says. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so it's dealing with this person who takes enormous uh, time, energy, money, like all resources, like resource and er- like emotion, just any resource you can imagine, takes a lot to just keep this fucker alive. And yet, uh, in the two years. <laughs> That this gentleman has lived in this town after he moved out of his dilapidated. He he would never. Although there were points where he really could have used a home nurse, he would always refuse it because he knew if that nurse walked into his trailer, it would be instantly condemned, and he would have to find a new place. You know, it would, they would condemn it. Anybody who's had some sort of um, duty to his safety would not have let him continue living there because it was condemnable. It was not habitable. No county official that ever walked in there would let it stand. It was awful. We tried to talk him out of moving there for 15 years before it actually happened. So all this stuff happens, and he is not appreciative. Not only not appreciative, actively fights us for the stuff that's keeping it alive, and yells about it, and is angry about it, and cusses people out, and gives people shit, and insults them for what's keeping them alive. We had a thing where I was taking him to dialysis, and uh, it was chilly out. I said, I'm going to get your coat. He's like, get my gray coat. It's on that chair. Well, the chair he's pointing at has no gray coat. It has no coat on it at all. So I go to the chair that the gray coat's on to get the gray coat. And he starts screaming at me, not on that chair, on that chair. And he's screaming at me about how I'm not getting the coat from the chair it's not on. And I am getting the coat from the chair it is on because he thinks it's on the other one. Therefore, even though I'm getting the coat correctly, and handing it to him, it's not good enough because I got it from the wrong chair. And it's impossible to get it from the chair he wants to get it from because it's not there. That's what life with grandpa is like. So all these things just fucking wear your soul down. It's just a little bit by bit. It's like it's like whittling with a dull knife, right? It's like every stroke. It's not taking a lot off, but it's taking some off. And uh, it's... Every day, just a little bit more, a little bit more of my will to live, a little bit more of my mojo just disappears for a variety of reasons. It's just like finding the energy to do anything, finding the energy to get out of bed. It's just hard sometimes. Like you got the automatic stuff, like the kid has to go to school. It's like, okay, we can get up, we can do that stuff. I come back home sometimes, like the energy to just continue the day just isn't there. It's like, all I want to do is just go back to bed and sleep for the rest of the day. And I can't imagine that I'm alone in this. It's just, it's just, ugh. here's uh, one that's been on the list for a while. I don't know how, in fact, the specific thing that's on here, probably from a year ago or more, it's been on the list for a long time. Um, I read the book Infomocracy by Malka Older, and I read it 
uh, we were doing like a hotel staycation. It was right before the 2020 election. And in fact, it's about this futuristic thing where there's a different uh, – it was about this futuristic time where an election was conceivably compromised and there was shenanigans about some sort of group to rob power from the one that would actually have been elected, which – Probably October 2020 was a terrible time to read this goddamn book, but I read it and I, I enjoyed it and it was good. And it was the, it's the first book of a series. And I bought it on the Kindle store and I've never read book two and I've never read book three because um, uh, I think book two is something like $15 on the Kindle store. And I just, I'm never going to buy, unless it's some like crazy ass textbook, uh, I'm never going to pay 15 bucks for an ordinary like a book that's in a ma- was in mass market paperback. So if you bought the paper, it's like eight dollars. And I'm never gonna pay fifteen dollars in the Kindle store for a book like that. And I also don't want the paper book, so I'm not gonna get the paper book. So until the price gets reasonable, I just am deadlocked on this thing. And I'm not gonna read book three if I haven't read book two. And then I got a sale, uh, a notification that there was a sale uh, for ninety nine cents for book three. And I suppose. At the time, I could have you know, thought ahead and said, well, I'll buy this, and then I'll just wait for something to happen with book two. But I kind of, at that point, was like, fuck these guys. So they're putting book three. Like, why do you ever put book three on sale for 99 cents? Wouldn't it always make sense to put book one on sale for 99 cents? Why would you ever do this? And I know, like, because of my, you know, the stuff that I've been in, because of the fandom and because of the radio show and all the stuff, I have lots of, you know, I have writer friends and I have publisher friends. Um, I have, I think, fewer friends who work at publishers for obvious reasons. For the same reason, I have fewer friends that work at newspapers because fewer people work at publishers and fewer people work at newspapers, even though uh, they get ever more consolidated and ever bigger because they want to have fewer. There's lots of ways they can pay money, but wages to a person? Fuck that. Every every other way is better, but wages, living wage to a human? Are you kidding us? So, I mean, I've thought this for a long time, and I often didn't say it because of, you know, it amazes me publishers are in business. Because in general, it seems like every publisher, if they had their head out of their ass, could make three times as much money. Like, I mean, I might be, this might be my uh, ignorance, but, uh, you know, my unfamiliarity. And the same way, like, every old drunk in a bar could fix the United States. <laughs> Here's what you need to do. It's like, just in ways large and small, just seems like publishers are just bad at publishing. It's not that they're, you know, they're just bad at, they're not even bad at business, which they are, but they're bad at the thing they do. And I know that some of it, I know that like a lot of this Kindle stuff is protectionism, right? They don't want to make the Kindle an overwhelmingly viable product because they don't want to affect paper sales. But even so, like when I read, um, even though I have all of the Game of Thrones books in paper, when I finally restarted with book three and reread them a couple, whatever, probably six or seven years ago now, uh, I bought them all again on Kindle because I couldn't be bothered to set this four-pound book on my chest and read. So I bought them on Kindle, and I read them on Kindle, and there was a name. Was it Tyrion? I think maybe Tyrion was regularly in there as Tinian. And I looked at this, and I thought, are you fucking telling me that this Kindle book was generated by them OCRing their own typeset pages? for this because uh that's a extremely ocr looking typo 
I don't understand how Tyrion could be typoed to Tinian over and over again, like not once or twice, but probably a hundred times across uh, the three books I read. And I thought, are you telling me that the publishers don't have a way to take the final proofed and copy edited manuscript that goes into the typesetting and generate an ebook from that? I'll bet you, or at least that one, whichever one publishes Game of Thrones, probably probably didn't at the time. Maybe doesn't now. It's like, are you telling me your workflow? It's basically like, it's kind of like if you told me they took those pages, they faxed them to somebody who then OCR'd them and did the ebook, I would believe that because that's kind of how it seems like they work. So I don't. Like book people are supposed to always line up behind book stuff and they're supposed to line up behind publishers and, you know, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be on Amazon side having, and I used to generally be more on Amazon side part. I used to give them more of a break, you know, for being monopolist because I said, you know, when you're the only business in a space that has, that can do the job, you are naturally going to grow. And that is true. And I also did not realize that while that is true, there were also a lot of uh, anti-competitive stuff. I read the uh, Rebecca Giblin and Cory Doctorow book, Choke Point Capitalism. And so I'm uh, less inclined to be Amazon forward after having read that. Um, honestly, I'm less inclined to be like every company forward uh, after that. Um, sort of kind of not quite radicalized, but I'm sort of um, uh, like all media companies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of down on all of them simultaneously. But, uh, you know, like, I don't really want to line up on, I mean, th- I think they're all kind of terrible. And, uh, which kind of gets me to Nathan Lowell. And, like, when he, he, who, by the way, Nathan Lowell is back. He, uh, after he his cancer treatments, he, I think, was off six or eight months between episodes, but he's back. He's walking. He's talking. He's doing his 20-minute podcast while he walks. And uh, it's very welcome to uh, hear Nate. But Nate only reads independently published books. And so he, like, I believe he tends towards space opera, and he wants a space opera series. It's kind of like when we when we had this voraciously reading kid. You find a standalone book, and the kid reads it and loves it. And it doesn't do anything for you. What you really want is you want to get, like, a weird school or something that has 100 books in it. Because once you find one, you want to... The, you know the cost of finding something to read is reasonably high, and once you do, you want to you want more, right? You don't want to find one open ended or one closed ended novel. You want a series, and uh, so Nate wants to find space opera like series um, that are independently published. And sometimes they get a recommendation. He's like, "Nope, that's from a major publisher. I'm not going to read it." So he only reads like self published and indie published books, and that's an interesting, very interesting. Um, political stance on that. And I, you know, I might be kind of lining up with him. There's this, uh, and, and, you know, pub, big book publishing is very, um, you know, it's like big everything. Uh, everything. It, any big content is kind of blockbuster driven, right? You, you get your Beyonce and then uh, a thousand others. And, you know, you get whatever, the rights to Obama book. And then, oh, also there's, you know, uh, 700 other authors that we're publishing this year. Uh, you know, everything else is kind of a, a, a sidelight. And um, I just, I, I less and less care about things organized that way. I less and less care about, 
but the but like the notion behind that blockbuster thing is well you're gonna want the obama book because it's the obama book so and we're the one place you can get from it but the truth is anytime it is time to fill my eyes with something i have so many choices like more choices than i will get to in this lifetime as I st- still, still to this day, am culling paper books. And I still, I do not believe if I started reading the paper books in my house right now, I would finish them before I die. <laughs> Maybe after retirement that, you know, I read enough more that I could. But by the way, I, I haven't looked at the stats, but probably for the last four years of all the books I've read, I don't think a single one of them was a pre-existing paper book I already had in my uh, house. Actually, one was. I reread Elric of Melnibony. Uh So I have all the Elric books. Uh, so maybe those will be some of them. But I have all these books. And yet when I go to read something, it's not one of those books. So what do I even, what's the point of even having the books if they're not what I read? Other than, I don't know, uh, to weigh down <laughs> so that I can have furniture full of books and look at them that I don't ever read. It's like... Why is any of this happening? Why? Why? So, but the, the, I don't, that doesn't hold for me that there's any specific book that I need so badly that I'm going to pay 15 bucks for it in Kindle. I mean, pass. I'll just go to one of the other thousand that I could credibly read next. And so it's, it's basically putting a big, putting a big beaver dam in that river, right? I'm just going to go somewhere where the water flows better. <laughs> you know, you can dam up the river. And I will flow somewhere else. That's kind of where my uh, reading dollars are flowing uh, away from the obstructions. On that cherry note, this is a Starbucks Americano that was purchased yesterday and reheated. This is, I think, the second, possibly third time it's been reheated. Oh, life. High quality life. We're living here. Mm. These are the golden years. Drinking. Yesterday is reheated coffee. Mm. I'm kind of dead, got down the stack. I actually burned through a bunch of topics. I'm kind of down the stack, and I've reshuffled based on relevance. Um, I'm trying to think. I think at this point we're right at maybe two years since the Bean Dead business happened. Was that twenty like early in the year, like January 2021, something like that? Um, so much so that you know I have been listening to Roderick on the line. I don't know, ten years at this point. Um, I think it was maybe on episode 60 when I started and then I listened to the backlog. So absolutely. I know I was listening to it at the old job. I had to have been listening 10, 10 years because I was listening in the office of the old job and that was 10 years. So more than that. And uh, after the whole being dead business, uh, I want to say that maybe there was like a month or two, they basically laid low for a little while and then came back. And in fact, um, it's now there's enough distance that on that, on Roderick on the line, sometimes they will even talk about being dead. And every time, uh, John Roderick brings it up. Merlin man says, are you sure you want to talk about this? Are you double sure you want to talk about this? And, uh, I think he's kind of, um, I think he's kind of made peace with that. But now that we've got years behind us, can we not agree that of all the kind of, um, of all the, of all the bad behavior that was kind of punished on the internet, this is possibly the most trivial, the stupidest scalp to have taken was this be dead business. Like what could possibly have been more harmless 
Then it, I mean, yes, they were kind of self-important, and that was if he hadn't, uh, you know, if he hadn't tweeted these uh, self-important tweets about, hey, I taught my daughter a lesson in self-sufficiency and blah blah blah. You know, that's you know, that was like the entree to it. But this whole notion of that guy starving his child, like, you know, I believe his kid is the same age as my kid, and you know, the kid has access to the pantry, so and the refrigerator, so no child is going to. Much like I was just saying about books, even if they can't, even if they wanted a food they couldn't reach and you refuse to get it for them, that's not the only food in the house, right? It's that specific food. So it was stupid. But it's like some of the fallout of that is I remember the McElroys uh, used a John Roderick song in their theme and they took that out like almost immediately. And I'm thinking, what kind of shitty friends (laughs) do you have to be for that? Now, let me take a, a side trip into the McElroys. I don't know one goddamn thing about them. Uh, I've never once listened to uh, what is the flagship. I don't know if the McElroy's flagship is my brother, my brother and me. I believe that that is a very, very maximum funny show of the very, very maximum funny house style, which is to say something I will never fucking listen to in my life because everything I ever listened to on maximum. I only listened to one show on maximum fun that began its life and spent its whole life on maximum fun. That's reading glasses. Um, and even that one, at some point I decided I'm not listening to the backlog because I, I don't care about the show that much. But uh, every other show that's on there started somewhere else, like the Jackie and Lori show, and then migrated there after something else happened on a different network. I don't like the Maximum Fun house style. I don't particularly like Jesse Thorne. I don't like much about it. And so however big these McElroys are, and it seems to be they're, you know, something that like they have kind of generate their own gravity of kind of popularity and interest, which is one of those completely separated things. It's much like being at Dragon Con with these celebrity from a show you've never seen or even heard of. And everybody's like losing their mind and you don't know who they are or care particularly. And uh, like the McElroys are that way. I don't know. who I, I know that they exist. I've never heard their show. Um, I hear them in promos. Because of cross maximum fun things, like I'll hear their promos on um, the Jackie and Lori show, but I don't know anything about them. I don't care about them, but I do know that if you <laughs> dropped John Roderick in the middle of Bean Dad stuff, you're kind of a coward, and you're not a very good friend. And <laughs> I don't know what their I don't know what their deal is, but they're kind of an anti brand to me. So if I ever accidentally ran across my brother, my brother and me, uh, I'm pretty sure I would uh, skip it just out of principle. Just because they were such shits to somebody that I do actually care about. But this really had me thinking um, a a lot. Things really are escalating so fast that I don't know if my generalizations hold anymore. I did like, you know, like I don't watch the State of the Union address. I haven't watched one in, I don't know. I may have watched a Bill Clinton one. If I've watched one since then, I, uh, it was by accident. It was absolutely not on purpose. Um, I did see the the clips about the whole uh, Republicans who are saying that they want to cut Social Security. Biden saying you want to cut Social Security, and then they're calling him a liar. For <laughs> but the the people who said they want to do this are calling him a liar. It's like, what the fuck is happening here? Um, and then him kind of boxing him in and saying, oh, so we agree, you're not cutting Social Security. Which, you know, as a dude in my mid-50s who uh, always thought there was a chance you know, that Lucy would pull this football away from me, oh my God, watching people 
discuss the football and say, no, no, just come and kick it. It'll be fine. <sighs> you fuckers. But, you know, so all that kind of stuff. Maybe the left is fighting back. They certainly don't seem like they're fighting back hard enough or fast enough. So, uh, you know, the but what the left has always been really good at, um, they've been terrible at, like, fighting head on when the right is doing egregious things. You know, starting wars or <laughs> taking away rights or, you know, I don't know, legislating those rights into uh, law when they have the ability to do that. And then, like Roe versus Wade, which is a big fundraiser for 50 years. Uh, and they had multiple times they could had, you know, uh, the first two years of the Obama administration. They had the House, the Senate and the presidency. And they could have done something then. They didn't. Because, you know, why, why are you going to kill the golden goose, the golden fundraising goose by taking care of it? You got to it's got to be this constant threat. Right. So but what the left in general is really good at is policing other people on the left for not being left the correct way or left enough or too far left or whatever. The left loves to eat the left, which is kind of a problem. And uh, on Penn Sunday School a while ago, this is the thing that um, Penn noted is that uh, the left in general doesn't take an apology. So. They call something out. You call out Bean Dad, and Bean Dad says, "I'm sorry," and you get that's not good enough. Like, well, what else do you want from me besides an admission that my, my behavior is wrong, and trying to fix it, and addressing you, and engaging with you, and you know, treating you with respect uh, enough to uh, you know acknowledge that you're right and I'm wrong, and I'm facing it, and that's not good enough. I, I I, I also kind of am flummoxed sometimes. Like, what do you want? What's your end goal? If not, if not that, it seems like that should be the end goal is the change of behavior and the acknowledgement. And I, I still stick to this idea. There got to be cultural. There are cultural felonies and there are all cultural misdemeanors. And being dead, if anything, that should have been a $20 ticket. That's not, that's, that's not jail time. That's so mild in the scheme of things. It's just, you know, when you look at, uh, and I still think like the Al Franken resigning from Senate, uh, over a picture where they used, you know, forced perspective to make it look like he was groping something that he didn't even actually touch. And that's enough to get him resigned from Senate. Meanwhile, you got George Santos who fucking, lies left and right and is and campaigned under a fake resume and he's still there it's like why why didn't you just stick why didn't you just stay in the senate al franken we could have used you jesus christ one of the interesting stories to me is so there was this whole thing about warren ellis and his kind of grooming of uh women and uh his sort of there, there's this is also like Chris Hardwick was kind of caught up in this. And, and by the way, the whole thing is not a poor, poor privileged white guys who got caught. That's not what I'm saying. Um, there's a lot of really shitty behavior that really straight up needed to be uh, fixed. Um, but like the Chris Hardwick thing um, was basically uh, it was like bad, bad boyfriend stuff. Like he didn't. I think he didn't beat his girlfriend. He didn't do anything. He was just kind of like a jealous, kind of a prick of a boyfriend. And that's different than being abusive. That's different than being uh, a, a sexual harasser. I mean, like bad boyfriend or bad girlfriend or, you know, bad anything, bad person to another person is kind of different from harassment. 
like, I mean, theoretically, is Grandpa harassing us? I mean, he's a difficult person. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put that under the same bucket of uh, some of these actionable things. And so Warren Ellis was kind of in that gro- grooming category where <sighs> is what he did. And I don't believe any of the women, if you go to the, what is so many of us, I believe that there's, I don't know, like 50 different women who had similar stories. If he would like start um, chat messages with them and kind of develop a relationship, some of which became like physical at conventions or whatever. And then at some point he would lose interest in ghosting, which is not, I'm not saying this is um, good behavior. (laughs) There's nothing to be proud of in any of that. Is it, the standard of some of this other stuff. I mean, it's dick behavior, but is it harassment? I don't know. He's had a second act on this where he kind of acknowledges that uh, it's creepy, bad behavior. Um, he has engaged with the accusers. He has gone to therapy. He's basically, uh, he said, what would you have of me? I will do that. And kind of done that. And in, and it seems like he's coming out of it now. Um, you know, uh, at the point uh, where the original um, accusations were coming out, you know, shit's canceled. <laughs> Things that he was going to write, he is no longer writing. Books that he w- were going to come out that he was writing were no longer coming out. You know, like sh- things came off of calendars, which cost people money. You know, so they don't do that lightly. And uh, while not, um, while not being clean hands, it seems like. And also not being forgiven. I don't believe anyone's forgiven him for anything other than acknowledge that he seems to be doing the work. Um, But he's at least he's back in the industry. He's swinging. He's, you know, he's got books coming out. Things are happening. I don't even know if he's a success case. I I just don't know how this goes. I mean, he I mean, what he did was, you know, if you put it on a continuum, it's, uh, you know, worse than Al Franken. It's worse than um, Bean Dad. it's not probably not as bad as uh, Harvey Weinstein, but I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how to feel about any of this. Um, it's certainly like whatever. Being dead ought to be a, he's should be out of the penalty box by now. Like and anybody who's still mad about being dead. It's like, remember back when that was the worst thing you had facing. It wasn't like, uh, you know, banning college courses, even mention, uh, the oppression of blacks, right? If you mention that, oh, oh, by the way, there was redlining in Chicago. That course is gone. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, um, black people had their property stolen at this rate. Nope, we can't have that. Jesus Christ. But we can be mad at a guy who didn't, who, who didn't open a can of beans for his daughter. There you go. I still kind of feel uh, like there's no point to me standing it. I feel like there's no point to a lot of things. And I feel like there's no point to standing alone in my office talking to this microphone about this stuff. So I don't know, man. It's, I don't know. These are, these are days to get through. I, uh, I don't know who's thriving. Well, I know who's thriving and there are shit, shit heels. Uh, and, um, everyone else is barely surviving. And, um, Somehow or another, we got to uh, got to de de shit heal the shit heals and uh, make everyone else thrive. I don't know how you do that. Still TBD. Let's work on that. 
Before we do anything else, though, let us acknowledge some wonderful people. And now it is time for something that we call the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, bit.ly slash EGC Patreon and pledged to support to keep the shambling mess shambling. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, R. Hooley, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Bachoco, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Paul Reynolds, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Skeeter Murphy, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, Steve Holden, Brian Hogan, and last but not least, patrons in exile, Nutty Nukchas and Eric Peterson. Thank you, one and all, for your support. Again, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon. And with that, let us kill the music. Thank you for listening. Show notes, as always, will be up at evilgeniuschronicles.org. You can reach me, Dave, at evilgeniuschronicles.org. I got at least one pretty important email caught in the spam filter. And uh, I don't know what to do about that. I, I may have missed my chance to do something because of a fucking spam filter. <sighs> Modern life. It is truly wonderful. Um, but email me and uh, I'll see if I can uh, fish it out. <laughs> it's got there. Uh, and go forward in your lives. Do your best. Fight whatever fight you can. And if you can't fight, then don't feel like you have to fight. Just, Just live. Just survive. Just make it through. Make it through another day, make it through another week, and we'll, I will catch you again next time. Uh, and do not forget that I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> Why did you just stay worn up? Uh, uh, when that's over, if we're still alive, I'll clean my own fucking mess up.